0: In our last session, we talked about us as co-creators of the world we experience, and we also talked uh, to the question of uh, what's God's role in all this. Today, we'll take a look at how our particular little experiment with creation got to be the way it is. In our experiment, those of us who are sharing probable world number 3860149257, as I call it, one in which we choose to experience time, remember. There came a time, Seth tells us, when humans decided they'd like to be able to reflect on themselves, rather than be focused only on the present moment, as most of the animals are. There apparently was a time when humans were not tightly focused in time, as we are now, and they could perceive past, present, and future at the same, quote, time. Likewise, their consciousness was not tightly focused in the body, and they could travel beyond it in space. However, other aspects of the experiment resulted in, number one, developing a very precise focus on only the present, which is where we are, and two, keeping their consciousness focused within the body that they were using as a vehicle for that experience. Again, that's where we are. So in order to gain the full drama of the human experience, as just one example, when an animal was rushing to attack a man, the man had to first experience the animal as separate from himself, not as something he has co-created. And the man also has to know the difference between the one rushing at him yesterday and the one rushing at him now. The portion of his consciousness that was in charge of developing this awareness of himself as separate from the world around him and that portion which gave him the ability to focus in a precise moment, that's his ego. This was part of the intrigue of the experiment, you see. As focused personalities, we're in touch with our inner self and big selves all the time. So portions of our consciousness uh, are aware of the unity of all things and the fact that we're creating the world around us. Another part of our consciousness enables us to see ourselves as distinct and separate from what is around us and to focus precisely in the now so we can play the game, the human time-space illusion game. That part where we see ourselves as distinct and separate, that part is the ego. And uh, again, I might refer you to the uh, Flasker Ceremonies if you wanted a fuller discussion on that. Now the ego has done its job very well and has enabled us to manipulate in space and time about as far as we can go with the limitations we place on ourselves with our beliefs. The ego has enabled us to experience all those human earthy emotions that can only be experienced when you believe yourself to be separate from others. The agony from the loss of a friend, the melancholy of a romance that ends, the excitement of a reunion, and the despair after betrayal. But now, and by now I mean sometime in the next 50 to 100 years, right now is the proper, quote, time in our experiment for us to develop, even at the ego level, our awareness of the bigger picture, the unity of things, the full scope of ourselves, including our probable selves, our counterparts, and our reincarnational selves. It's time to awaken our abilities to transcend time and space with our consciousness. That way, we can begin to understand that our ability to perceive and experience is not just locked in our body. We can also start to experience probable futures, pasts, and presents, rather than just one thin line of reality that we call our world. Put another way, in our particular development, it is now time, close quote, for us to begin to blend together smoothly, number one, the intellectual ego consciousness, which is focused outward on the single world that we choose to actualize, and number two, to blend with number one, the great reservoir of subconscious or other conscious ability and knowledge of our inner selves which our ego selves have ignored for so long. Now, if we begin to blend the two, we can bring into focus a very enjoyable world where we achieve new heights of creativity, understanding, richness of emotional experience, and material progress. Seth's advice here is not all that different from Larry Lashan's, who suggested we need to start using all four modes of being that he identified and learn to shift from one to the other. Seth pointed out that our present period, where the outer ego essentially denies the existence of the inner self, that's a transitional phase. But the inner self will make itself known, he says, one way or another. If our transitory period is drawn out too long, then in some probabilities the inner self, restrained and denied for too long a period, could explosively overwhelm the ego that would make existence in the physical plane difficult since the ego is the portion of us equipped to handle to handle the required manipulation in our earth plane. Now in other probabilities where we don't begin to blend the ego and the other conscious abilities, the ego might run wild. The gulf between intellect and emotions will widen. Each of us would see ourselves as isolated and alone in an ever more crowded and dangerous world with a need to defend ourselves in order to survive. It doesn't take much imagination to see where that will lead. Look around you and you can see indications of both branches of probabilities starting to develop. And that's where probabilities come in. The fact is there will be some probabilities where we do begin to blend the two. And create a fairly enjoyable world one that's fueled primarily by love and the desire of each of us to see every other human reach his or her fullest potential on this planet in this probability now in the early sessions dictated by Seth in 1965 He pointed out how medicine and science, for example, could benefit greatly by understanding the full extent of the connection between mind and body and the innate ability of all cells to communicate telepathically. There are signs that the scientific and medical communities are beginning to accept that relationship. In other probabilities, it's not difficult to imagine that fear, greed, and total self-interest will predominate in the political, scientific, and social arenas with varying degrees of gruesome results. And we're seeing some of that now, aren't we? It's important for us to remember that they're all out there right now, all those futures. We have the power to bring into focus anyone we wish, The basic reason we bothered with this whole play in the first place was to learn how to bring about the kind of world we want. Well, now it seems we're at this time of choosing between two major branches of probabilities. Choosing the more enjoyable branch requires a major shift in our thinking. Fortunately, though, that's easy to do. So here I'll introduce the big-picture perspective. With these big choices ahead of us, it's time to arm ourselves with a new understanding of reality, a new and bigger perspective on who we are and why we're here. For a long time now, we've accepted understandings of reality that tell us we have just one life to live, that we're somehow unworthy or born in a state of original sin, that the ultimate God created this one world that we happen to be experiencing, and that he wishes we'd do better but there's not a whole lot he can do about it because we have free will and he's got to let us use it. Well with these understandings of reality, when someone dies in an accident or at the hands of a murderer, we chalk it up to God's will and we feel sorry for the person who died because they lost their one chance to continue with a human life. We hope they went to heaven, but we don't have a really clear idea of what Heaven is. Now, the various religions which offer these perspectives may be just fine for doing social good. But by themselves, they don't make the grade for an intelligent species whose communications now circle the globe regularly and who have mountains of evidence from scientists and from reliable, trustworthy people whose consciousnesses have traveled through time and space that the world isn't what it seems, and we are much more than we think we are. I might add that as a civilization, we're now uh, aware that there are trillions of galaxies, not just one planet. In contrast to those religions, we now have the explanations given to us by the entity Seth and other entities, whose tasks include helping us here on Earth understand a bit more about the way reality really is. We can continue forever going around in circles, either ignoring or constantly being surprised that one or another person has traveled through time and space with his or her consciousness, and ignoring the nature of our earthly reality that our theoretical physicists describe. We can continue putting a lot of our energy into debating whether there is sufficient scientific, quote, proof to justify the validity of these explanations. Or, we can decide enough is enough. We can acknowledge what the physicists say, what Bob Monroe and others have experienced in recent years, what many others experienced previously, and what entities like Seth have to say about our reality. If we choose, we can see that they all agree and decide there's enough evidence here to have us update our understanding of reality. We can start to realize that we co-create it and that we have a much greater hand in determining what we will experience. Now, this bigger perspective does not need to be at odds with many existing religions. It can simply supplement what they teach now to bring them up to date with, With our new understanding. We must remember, many of the religions have been the basis for many positive actions in our history. But by adding this understanding and this perspective, it will help us come to know more about ourselves and our connections to the larger entities of which we're a part, and in doing so, to celebrate ourselves. It will also make it easier for us to develop the ability to love every living creature with a more encompassing love than we're presently exuding. Because with this perspective, we recognize they are part of us. Now, this perspective, uh, the big picture perspective, could also be called the perspective of us. Because it celebrates the importance and the eternal significance of us little people not just saints, wise men, gurus, mystics, and superstars of every stripe. We big picture people are reassured that we are an integral and essential part of a spirit entity that is traveling the same road that they are on. Now admittedly, our particular manifestation in this reality, the one that we're experiencing, it may leave some things to be desired. It may need a little work, a little polishing and fine-tuning. And, in fact, we may even be a major project. But we're going to get there to the same grand awareness that the big guys have. And, in fact, outside of this time-space continuum, we're already there. Now, what are the basic concepts of the big picture perspective? Well, we'll take that up in our next session. Again, I'm Dan McEnany, bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.